We're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 17 of the Light Shed podcast. Today is August 14th, 2020. Three weeks left in summer. That's the bad news. The good news is it doesn't matter what season it is, as long as it stays sunny out. And we're done with earnings. I think today was pretty much the end. We had MSGE, MSGS, and DraftKings. And I don't see anything else on my calendar. So maybe Peloton in September. Peloton. Wait, oh. Peloton has their year end are they in on September. The ca- are they on the calendar, Chef? Yeah, I think it's the second week of September, but essentially okay. it's the end. All right. So that's good news for all of us. And um, I don't know. Let's just uh, get started. It was kind of the end of an era um, this week with the passing of Sumner at age 97. And um, look, it's uh, Sumner is, you know, his country. He's an icon. He's an icon. You know what? Yes, he was an icon. Um, He defined an entire generation of media. And I always loved his conference call intros where he would call Philippe the wisest man in the world. And and, uh, Les was a a genius. And um, I missed those as soon as um, he kind of disappeared from earnings. But there were always... You know, fun, interesting media mogul stories uh, that came out of uh, or about Sumner. And um, I guess he'll be missed from anyone who's been around the media world for a long time. Well, let's let's do the best way we can remember Sumner is to actually play Sumner. The phrase content is king is a phrase I originated. It's mine. (laughs) Content will always be king. And branded content, like the brands we have, will always reign supreme. Uh People don't watch CBS. They watch what's on it. They watch Survivor. They watch the Bette Midler show, or Fugitive. They watch the NFL Super Bowl. They watch Tiger Woods. They don't watch distribution. They watch what's on it. It's actually a really good reminder of sort of like why we're so bearish on most media companies today is that all of that great content that Sumner's talking about isn't in the traditional bundle. Like we don't turn on, you don't turn on Comcast to see that anymore or turn on Charter to see that anymore. You turn on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or Disney plus uh, to watch that great content. And, And it's just sort of like, it's, it's just kind of hitting you over the head with just how much things have changed. Yeah. I think that, Look, I, I don't think content is king as much as it used to be. I think obviously the role of some of the distribution platforms uh, has become much more elevated, but content is certainly super powerful. And as we have analyzed you know, situations like what's going on between Roku and Amazon um, with HBO Max and Universal, we still come back to that principle in as a framework for how we approach some of these things. Well, and what's interesting, Brandon, is that, you know, there's a lot of speculation that now that Sumner's um, has passed, that Viacom could be in play. I mean, we're seeing articles today of like, is there going to be an activist investor trying to make a play for Viacom? And what I think people don't realize is that 
Sumner may not be here, but Sumner still exists in the sense of the Sumner Redstone Trust, the SMR Trust, is what controls Viacom uh, because the SMR Trust controls national amusements, which controls the super voting stakes in Viacom. And so unless the Sumner Redstone Trust wants to sell the company, which we don't believe they have any interest in. Right. I mean, which Sumner's is passing, essentially, does Sherry want to sell uh, yeah. the, the company or not? And. First of all, I think at this point, given you know, the emotion of her father passing, that's probably something. And the fact that she put these companies back together and him, fought to do it, in, Brandon. In, in, no, no, she fought, fought to, to do, do it, it in a large sense. I would, I would be surprised if anytime soon you, you, you saw something like that. That being said, I mean, you look at the Paramount Studio, and if if you merge studios, there's usually huge unlock of synergies. Uh, 800 million, a billion. I don't know what it would be if they were to merge with uh, a larger studio, but there would certainly be um, a, a value unlock there. So it's it's something to think about, but probably something that's not going to happen in the near term. Well, maybe we should shift gears to another form of content versus distribution battle, which is something that I don't think any of us were prepared walking into yesterday. I mean, I think, you know, we were all sort of getting our job done, dealing with one of the last days of earnings yesterday when essentially the entire world went crazy. Uh, Brandon, why don't you just walk us through sort of the play-by-play here for a second? Okay, so we, on the screen here, we have um, a tweet from from Tim Sweeney or a couple of tweets um, where he explains... uh, the fact that uh, he decided to go around the Apple um, uh, app app store fees, um, he set up the ability to make direct payments to to Epic in app, um, and pretty you know candidly put there that it would be less expensive if you paid Epic directly. Clearly, a violation of Apple's policies. He absolutely knew what he was doing getting into it we and then we saw on the other side of it the um, as soon as apple pulled them out of the app store and then google did the same they were both hit with lawsuits and then there was an in-game uh piece of i guess video content is what i <laughs> what i would call it an in-game piece of content that was a sort of a spoof on Apple's old 1984 uh, commercial about fighting back against the big, bad IBM. But but Brandon, if I was going to put this in context for a second, this would be like me opening up my Apple TV, going to HBO Max, and it's saying, would you like to subscribe to HBO Max through Apple or click here and you could subscribe directly through HBO Max and the 30% in year one, the 15% in year two won't go to Apple. We'll just keep all of it for ourselves. And so basically, it would basically be a software method of essentially getting around App Store fees. Yeah. Which obviously isn't which, allowed. Which clearly Apple wasn't going wasn't to allow it all. And the whole point here was he was looking to, to pick a fight. I mean, he doesn't care about what the impact is going to be on Epic's earnings, cash flow, so on and so forth. But but, but hold on. This is critical. But but hold on, Brandon. This is critical to Apple, right? Well, I mean, Apple needs this revenue. 
Well, I was just going to ask, doesn't Google, I mean, Google knocked them off as well. So I'm not sure it's, it's specific to Apple in this case. It's just, it's, you could argue it's a duopoly. So he's fighting against a duopoly in terms of, of share in the app store. So I wouldn't, unless I'm missing something in terms of why Google um, pushed them off. The, but, the only difference may be, and you know, we could debate how important this is, but uh, Fortnite wasn't even in the Google Play Store until April of this year. And you can even right now, you can obviously with Android, you can download anything from the, the Epic website. You don't actually have to use the Google Play Store. So everyone can still access Fortnite on an Android phone, even though it's not in Google Play. It's obviously, you have to go to the website versus do it on, uh, on the actual App Store. But for iOS, obviously, it's just not even available anymore. So it's a little bit more from a player standpoint. This has a far but bigger Google's impact still on... Preventing, but Google's still preventing um, in-app purchases, right? That's it, They took it down for the same it's, reason. Yeah, and it's not just in-app. Correct. It's just, now it's not just in-app purchases. The ability to update the game is impossible. So every player that has it um, on their device, when they move to the next season or there are... the constant updates that Fortnite has they're just frozen in time so, so what happens what happens with disney in this case when they're going to try and charge people 30 bucks from mulan isn't that an in-app purchase well it, you know it's interesting you mentioned that walt we're going to jump to that so you know this is the mulan splash screen went up live uh, a couple days ago and everyone was like oh great this is how you're going to spend and you're going to spend 30 dollars but if you read the, the FAQ on the, the Mulan page, I'm just going to read it for everyone. It goes, starting September 4th with Premier Access, you can watch Mulan before it's available to all Disney Plus subscribers. Disney Plus will offer Premier Access to Mulan for $29.99 on, quote, DisneyPlus.com and select platforms. Interestingly, it doesn't actually say within the Disney Plus apps. It's a very weird wording. Like it, it almost makes you think that in order to watch this, you're going to have to go to Disney Plus, buy it on Disney Plus, and then have it be unlocked on your on wherever you watch Mulan, which is obviously a lot of friction. But it may be just what you're talking about, Walt. This may be Disney's way of trying to avoid App Store fees, but creating friction for their customers. So has anyone written about that, or actually asked Disney to respond in terms of where they're making it available? Uh, we've tweeted about it. Nobody seems to have focused on it yet, though, from, a, a, you know, if you look at the larger press, I think investors find it really interesting because if you're forcing people to go to DisneyPlus.com to spend $30 and you can't just literally go onto your Apple TV where you're watching Mulan and click buy, that right. is a heck of a lot of friction. I also think that's probably different than, you know, Netflix, you could argue that it's a lot of teens in their beds on their laptops and, and it's fine. But in, in the case of Mulan, where it's probably more of a family movie, that you, and it's a movie, like it's a premiere type movie, you're probably going to want to watch it on the TV. So I don't know what the mix would look like, but there's probably going to be a much higher mix of people that are going to want to watch it on an Apple TV app for that share of the market. Um, I mean, would Google be the same thing? If it's yeah, an, if it's an in app, so you're so I, I get, so how does Roku work? Is Roku going to allow an in app purchase of of this product of Mulan? Well, it's funny when Disney announced this Mulan, a lot of investors said, "Oh, this is amazing! Every, Disney will keep a hundred percent of it because it's within the app." You know, they're not making it, it. This isn't like you go buy it from Apple on the Apple App Store. You buy it through Disney Plus. But if you read all of the terms of service for Roku, Google, Apple, forever, 
they all specifically say, if you're going to enable in-app purchase on our devices, you have to give us a cut anywhere between 20 so and 30%. Roku included. So, so they're Roku basically included. saying a Roku. So, so, I mean, I guess this is an interesting test. How does Disney do this versus, I mean, theoretically, Disney could do um, what, what uh, the gaming company did in, in terms of like say, okay, no, we're not going to, we're going to let our, our customers to pay us directly and see what happens. Right. I don't, they're a little bit well, more friendly with Apple than others, but like Roku. They'll get, they'll get kicked off. I mean, Apple. Could since, you imagine that? Could you imagine since, Disney well, getting kicked gonna, off? It's, it's not going to happen. Since 2011, let's just like go back. The App Store rules have pretty much been the same, right? If you buy or market on, on the app, then you get charged 30%. And there are companies that have, you know, figured out ways to get around it. Um, but by and large, but by, by getting around Google it, it's always cumbersome. It's always cumbersome. It's, cumbersome. it's cumbersome and there's, there's friction. And I think in order to do it, you really need to have your own brand and be kind of a destination where you don't need the marketing and the simplicity that so what do you think in the app store uh, allows. I, well, I, my guess, honestly, is that things continue to be as they are. I really, I don't know the exact merits of, of this lawsuit, but the world's existed. What's changed since 2011? Well, but I'm saying, well, I mean, hold my on. question was specifically, what do you think specifically happens with Mulan? Do you think that Apple just basically takes the 30% or excuse me, Disney pays these guys out 30%? Well, I, I can't, I think Disney, my guess is the reason it's worded the way it is, is that they're currently in negotiations, trying to negotiate a lower rate so that they don't have to give up 20 or 30%. Uh, I'd be very hard pressed to believe that they're going to offer, launch this without having access on Roku, Apple TVs, F- Fire TVs, et cetera. That would seem, so. that'd so be a really big risk. So if you're Apple... And you're facing a lawsuit, right? And you're you had um, Tim Cook go up in front of um, a committee and say we treat everyone the same, even though we know that's not factually correct in terms of <laughs> Amazon um, or Netflix. How do you not charge thirty percent? It, it it will come up in discovery. Like okay, on basically the same within the same month where you booted one guy off because they didn't yeah. pay thirty percent, you're going to let another guy on for fifteen I, I or twenty percent. Just- well, I should just say, in this case, like if you look at Trolls, which we've talked about on the podcast in prior weeks, which was a universal film, because it was a much higher price point, uh, uh, that, in that case, it was a $20 price point, they were willing to do a 20% rev share on the okay. purchase price. Maybe this, you know, I mean, look, 15 or 20% is probably the base case here. But if I'm in Fortnite, aren't I sometimes paying $20 for some, whatever these kids pay for, or adults pay for, armor, yeah, it's, or it's, boost it's, up? So 100%. Okay, so why is twenty dollars from one guy get twenty percent, twenty dollars from another guy not? It's a great question that I. Can't. I mean, uh, honestly, I don't have any way to push back on that. It should all be consistent, to be honest. Maybe, maybe not. I I don't think that when Amazon negotiates with suppliers, they get the same they get sure. the same deals oh. that other smaller players get. There is these are all negotiations. But I'm still troubled. Free market. 
Yeah. <laughs> not to get, I, but like, I'm just troubled by it. No, but it's also through the lens, Brandon, of the fact that um, the guy that's restricting you is also trying to do their own service and they're restricting maybe sure. what Disney's trying to do as a competitive service. So you could theoretically layer that on that you're using your market power in terms of yeah. the app store to, to limit the service yeah. so you can be have a better Great. service. Yep. In, the, well, in, I, the, in this particular situation, that's true. I don't think it applies, though, for the Fortnite situation. No, but it Apple does for Apple some. TV Plus. Apple TV Plus doesn't pay. I'm sure Apple TV Plus doesn't give up 15% or 30% in year one of their subscription fee the way Disney has to for Disney Plus. Well, it would be, you know. In, in it's intercompany, but it's, that's yeah, my point. They're it, this is the same. integrated. You know, the, the reality is, is this issue with with, you know, kind of fighting back against App Store fees or the quote unquote Apple tax really didn't start with Epic. It really started overseas with Spotify pushing back when Spotify was like, well, Apple Music doesn't have to pay these fees. Why should we as a competitor have to pay these fees? And, you know, Spotify basically directs people to go to the web to sign up for Spotify rather than to pay the higher price that it would be required if you bought it through the App Store. So this has been happening for a while. This is just, this is really the, the first case where we've seen actual software designed to circumvent the app store fees. I don't, I don't even think it's the software that was designed that way. I think they just merchandised it <laughs> that way. Go to, go to our, go to our website. And I think, look, Spotify has probably taken a little bit of a revenue hit um, by merchant a little bit by merchandising the way that they are going around the app store. But this is the first case where uh, a company was willing to take a significant revenue hit to purposefully get get banned from the app store. And it was all to, to prove a point. If you yep. go back and read the quotes that were on that slide uh, a couple of slides ago, Tim Sweeney said he's doing this for humanity. And he's willing. He's willing to, to, um, to, to put his own financial interests and those of his investors. By the way, thankfully they're not a public company. Um, um, behind his um, his belief in making things what he considers to be fair. Okay, let's move on. We've got a lot to talk about this week. We've got. Uh, college football, finally, when we've been talking about college football being canceled for weeks and weeks. In fact, we were interviewing heads of conferences and ADs over the last few months. And finally, the, I guess, you know, we had the, the bell finally got rung with the Pac-12 canceling, the Big Ten canceling. And while the SEC and ACC and even Big 12 are all say they're quote unquote playing, I've got a, on the screen, we've basically got a Syracuse football, which is ACC now. Syracuse, three of the last eight practices have been canceled. Players are upset that there's not enough testing. They're not getting results fast enough. Uh, we've got a bunch of you know schools that we've talked to that sound like yeah. everyone's not really sure until students get back on campus. Like you can say you're playing, but you don't really have to make a decision until the first week in September because the season is supposed to start or the in-conference season doesn't really start till the end of September. So we still have time for schools to reverse their, their, their thought process. Obviously big 10 and, and SC, uh, sorry, big 10 and uh, PAC 12. We're talking about playing a few weeks ago. Yeah. And right. Those ADs that we've spoken to are notably from some of the conferences that are planning to play. So despite what said, 
who knows? We, we don't know. I, it's obvious that in some of those states, um, <laughs> everyone would like to have college football, but sure. it's still up in the air. Right. And, and it's going to be where do things stand when kids are on campus and how bad does it get? But look, all of this is if you think about what this means from a stock standpoint, what was interesting is, you know, DraftKings came out with earnings this morning. Yeah. And look, the, <laughs> the, the, the DraftKings is down. I'm just going to read it to you. Justin, DraftKings projects uh, at least a 22 percent increase or a 22 percent growth this year. Despite yeah. the COVID challenges of sports, they're on pace. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't need to read that. The point is the 22% is disappointing to the street versus what people were hoping. But people have to remember that 22% excludes college football. They're basically assuming in their guidance that all college sports don't happen, which I think is what's ultimately going to happen. I mean, I, it's hard to imagine only certain conferences playing and others you know, moving to the spring. It just seems like chaos. Uh, for the college system and certainly would blow up any form of bowl games if you actually do that. Yeah. Look, the numbers that have come in so far the last month or so in sports betting have been pretty incredible. We saw the July numbers for New Jersey, um, which were up pretty significantly year over year, despite the fact that people are dying to bet a week of baseball and two games in, in the NBA which actually would have been incremental. Nonetheless, it was, so it was, it was that. And the other reason it was down is because of this IRS situation where they want to charge the entry fees for daily fantasy at, I think it was a quarter of a percent or 2% depending on the situation, which when you start to get down to the profit levels, looks like 20 plus percent of, profits plus but, there but could that, be back taxes on that so that's one of the main reasons i think that DraftKings is down seven percent right now and you see flutter down two and a half but i think part of this brandon right we keep coming back to it i think the three of us when we've been the more work we've done on sports betting the holy grail is not as much sports betting as it is ultimately eye gaming and that's where the a lot of the money will ultimately be made is as you turn sort of gambling you know, casino gambling into online gambling and legalize it. There could be a lot more money there. I think, I think that it's, (laughs) and that's certainly on the come. I think that the idea is sports betting, getting that legalized will be a bridge to getting iCasino legalized in a lot of these states. I wouldn't be so sure about that though. Meaning that it gets legalized. You think that's going to be a much tougher legalization from, from our conversations, you know, with, Players in the industry uh, who are involved with the government, it it seems like that's going to be a much, much, much heavier lift. In addition, it seems like getting some of the major states approved for sports betting, including New York and California, is still going to be a pretty heavy lift despite the budget deficits. So there's clearly a lot of demand, especially as people are locked down. But again, it's going to come back to um, state approvals. And that remains to be seen. Well, st- talking about sports betting, we talked about last week on the podcast barstool, uh, and how they're going to use basically Dave Portnoy and his team at barstool to basically push their, you know, sports betting platform, which is going to launch sometime in September. But all of it ties back to barstool's a media brand. And they're going to basically be the first company to use a quote unquote media brand to drive people to their sports betting application, which is why they were acquired by Penn Gaming earlier this year. 
there's never it's never been done before. But here you see creating content. Brandon, wouldn't you assume Deion Sanders doing a show like there's a couple of things there. I think that, first of all, Portnoy is the the greatest marketer on earth right now or one of them, maybe besides Trump. And he has a following that will follow him and wherever he goes and do whatever he says. And they happen to also be interested in sports betting. So it's a natural, a, a really natural marketing tool. Right. And it's not like it's, it's not like forced product placement. It's actually something that fits seamlessly with what they do every day. And Deion Sanders is someone who could have been doing a show. He was doing a show on the NFL Network. It feels like something that would be on ESPN, and instead, it's on Barstool. And it just sort of shows you their, you know, I think increasing move into higher profile content, more, you know, kind of what I would even call I think like Barstool has worked also to expand its demos a little bit. Yeah, right? that's a great you, point. If you if you look at the podcast that they added, they decided it was sort of a you know Saturdays for the boys brand right and then they expanded to women now I think they probably Miley Cyrus was on call her daddy last night I I know I saw that my my teenager was very very excited (laughs) I saw that Um, teenage daughter but also now you want to move up in age and look we're a little bit older shall we say prime time was you know prime time for us <laughs> for a long time and appeals to maybe a little bit of a different demo than the millennial demo that that follows barstool so yep. um look they're trying to take over the world what can i say <laughs> walt are we going to vegas anytime soon well, probably not for ces <laughs> <laughs> Which is the first thing to come up. Much to our chagrin. Uh, the second thing to come up. Actually, you always hated CES, Walt. You, yeah, you, you kind of stopped going. Um, yeah. Rich and I have been warriors and had fun with it for a while. I'm going to miss it's, it. It's, well, if CES this year was anything like Disney is right now, it might actually be worthwhile going because you can actually get around and not be overwhelmed with people. You wouldn't have to wait 45 waiting. minutes for an Uber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we're in those taxi lines before uber existed oh my goodness but there's so some Brandon, of the best well, networking happened there right <laughs> why is diller buying into mgm like what what do you think the play is here um well clearly he sees opportunity in sports betting let's just start with that if you look at the mgm um, but this is a category uh, that they've never been in this is a new category for IAC. No, but they understand online businesses. They understand subscriber acquisition, right? Which they've been good at across digital properties and on mobile, especially with Match, which is now spun out. Um, and I, I think that they understand some of the needs on digital, other needs on digital that MGM doesn't whether it's user experience, for instance. And if you look at the user experience of, you know, say, the DraftKings app and compare yep. it to, to MGM, I, I think they could probably lend a helping hand, number one. But number two, I mean, Diller has invested in a lot of things over the years. When he, he sees opportunity, he, he likes to strike. So. so this is just Diller being opportunistic. They spun off match. They've got home advisor Vimeo. They've got a, they're sitting on cash and some, they, looking for they, something to they do. See, they see an industry that they think is both has a lot of potential 
and they see um, a brand in MGM and an infrastructure that they feel like they can help bridge into the digital world. Which sort of fits with like a lot of the investors. But like when we talk to investors about DraftKings or, or Flutter FanDuel, they're all not talking about the next year or two. They're all talking about 2025 and beyond. I mean, they're all That's, looking way out and going, this is the long-term category we want to be involved in. And so that is not, that's basically what Diller's doing too. He's just saying, this is going to be a long-term winner, even if most people, you know, even if you can't make money on it specifically today. And potentially, who knows? I mean, what does Diller do? Diller loves to do some roll-ups. Maybe he yep. sees M&A opportunities uh, with... MGM buying, I don't know. There's lots of smaller gaming companies, right? Lots. There are a ton of them right now. And we've talked to a lot of private companies, not just ones that are consumer facing. Um, So we'll see. Walt, you want to lead us into Apple subscriptions? You have some tweets up here. Um, One from Mark Gurman saying Apple One which is something that was, I guess, announced um, yesterday. Apple plans to launch an Amazon Prime-like bundle of services this fall, including music TV, arcade news, iCloud, and a new Peloton-like virtual workout service. That probably could go well during the... Minus the bike. (laughs) Corona, minus the bike. Yeah, I'm not sure how that works, but I think my brother has something like that, an app. Um, And then there's another one from Bloomberg just saying Apple is ready readying a series of bundles, so different bundles, not just one bundle, that let customers subscribe to several of the company's digital services at lower monthly price. Perhaps, what, you know, worrying about how many subscriptions someone has and that, what do they call the, isn't there a buzzword people are using for this? Stream exhaustion or something like that? I just just want to say one thing. Rich's favorite hashtag in the whole world (laughs) is what, Walt? Good luck bundle? Good luck bundle. Now, people love bundles. The thing Maybe is, not. people do love bundles, and bundles are a very, very well, people like discounts. People like discounts to yeah. to merchandise and to prevent churn. We know that it's just sure. when when Rich said "good luck bundle" for like five years and tries to slip it in now, even though we don't like when he does that. Um, he meant specifically the MVPD bundle. And what's interesting right. is Apple has the bundle of its ecosystem that has kept people very loyal to its phone, whether you're using iMessage or other products within Apple and, um, and how easy it works. So maybe that's just not resonating on the services side as much the, the ecosystem of Apple, because you can kind of add and subtract services quite easily. And because obviously they don't have um, material share. Well, they don't have as big a share as we probably like them to have on the Apple TV side of things, you know, relative to Roku in terms of device. Um, you know, they need to create another type of bundle to hopefully try and increase the stickiness there. And the, the challenge is, is if I look at Amazon, they basically bundle in everything other than music. So there, there's a, the music service that you get for free with Prime is basically just really, you know, it's deep catalog. It's not anything current, like all new music that comes out. You have to pay incrementally for Apple Music Unlimited, or what it's called, and almost nobody does. So I think what'll be interesting for Apple here is, are music and video really going to be tied together, or is it music with cloud, or video with cloud? Like, what are or, Apple or care grocery or delivery? Or maybe grocery <laughs> delivery, sure. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, they don't have that in the I'm, bundle, and that's <laughs> part of Amazon Prime. 
No, it doesn't I, have to exactly look like Amazon Prime, but the point sure. is they probably have some people who use some of their services with maybe higher than industry average churn rates and others that use other services. So it's a way to put them together to the to the benefit of all of them. And the other thing is, I, to me, I, I had read that cloud was going to be on the highest tier um, bundle. To me, I would start with cloud because it seems like everyone needs iCloud now and then layer make it attractive to layer onto iCloud. But I also think this oh. is a much bigger story than just Apple One. I mean, there's there were stories last night that came out. I think Five Lucas Shaw at Bloomberg broke it that there's going to be Apple TV Plus video bundles that include yeah. services. So in this case, right now, Apple TV Plus, if you don't have a new iPhone or a new iPad or Mac, it costs $4.99 a month. If you're spending that $4.99 a month or if you bought a new device and get it for free, you'll now be able to theoretically get a CBS All Access slash Showtime bundle. Normally, those two services would cost you $21 incrementally. They're going to sell it for $9.99 if you're an Apple TV Plus subscriber. So I also think this Apple really going into bundling, I mean, it is. I don't know what kind of deal they cut there, but it seems like it's not going to be a 30% deal just to well, tie no, back I, to the original yeah, conversation. I, I just think this is all of Apple's looking for new and creative ways to bundle. I don't think this is yep. even just Apple One. I think it's Apple looking to bundle things together that naturally they both are unlike as well as that are similar that you might want to have naturally bundled together. So we'll see. Uh, should we move on to charter? One more question. Walt, do you think yeah. that they'll ever add hardware to these bundles? I mean, people have talked about that for a while, meaning pay 50, 60, whatever it is a month and then be able to get every new iPhone every year. I mean, that's been talked about Plus for five, all the five, six years. The original view was it would smooth the revenue stream, but the way it works accounting wise is that even if I put you in a $50 a month service plan, they'd have to realize the revenue of the phone that you, you were just delivered up front, right? Um, so then it would just basically be like a, you know, an accounting issue in terms of when the cash came in. So um, I don't know if it hasn't happened up to this point, probably not, but you never know. Like, look, I, if they really want to move the bundle and they say, okay, get say, people yeah. on the services, like throw the phone in there. That's the stickiest part of the yeah, bundle you, you could exactly. possibly have. You start with the, you start with the phone. That's what people really want. And then it's kind of an, that bundles an add on sale. I mean, it's not like they're not already doing financing of phones. Yeah. They are. They are. You can buy your phone financed on Apple today. They're paying for, they have a system. I think they're using SoftBank actually, or until SoftBank sells that. Um, they have a system where you can send in returns. So they've got the infrastructure um, to do something that you suggest. And like, who cares what the accounting looks like, you know, as long as the overall numbers come in positive and it, and it underscores the fact that this is a recurring revenue business, then, you know, do it. Charter. Walter. Charter. Yeah, I mean, look, Charter, it's funny. So a week or two ago, T-Mobile, um, some of our peers, as you may remember, said was taking their gloves off. And it turns out that the rate plan really wasn't even better than what was they were previously offering in the market. They just, people just don't look at the promotions. It's hard to track these things. Obviously, Joe is probably the only person that does it effectively enough to know that like, yeah, you're not actually saving money with your new rate plan. So Charter, though, came out with with new stuff. Joe obviously did his did his work on it. We kind of 
That's Joe at, Galone, ladies and gentlemen. We, we looked at it every which way we could, um, in, in, including crediting T-Mobile with the fact that they're giving you Netflix for free and Verizon's giving you D-plus um, for free. And Charter's still very aggressively priced for, for one and two lines. So, And look, they were the number one guy that added um, wireless net ads in the, in the second quarter, and they're kind of keeping it going. I would always also suspect that you know they're going to be active in the ongoing CBRS auction. So I think, look, I think Charter's taking the wireless business very seriously, more so, frankly, than, than Comcast. We'll, see, we'll have to see how that develops, but um, certainly they're, they're, I think their, their trajectory looks pretty good, which again you for, brings you back to this kind of what happens in the fourth quarter in terms of the competitiveness of the market and, you know, Verizon, whether they can lean on it and like the impacts to T-Mobile, which is at like 52 weeks high, right? It's a competitive market. But do you think if, if we had to step back in time, do you think Verizon regrets doing these MVNOs with Comcast and Charter? Um, Verizon got spectrum out of that primarily. So, and they didn't have to pay that much for it. So, and look at the position Verizon's in now where, because they weren't able to get dishes spectrum and negotiate with Charlie, they kind of leaned on um, millimeter wave spectrum for the past couple of years. But my anticipation is that you're going to see them come away with several blocks of spectrum in the existing CBRS auction, and then spend probably as much as $30 billion dollars when you also include the C-band auction. So like if you go in hindsight, like, yeah, this, this kind of hurts. It's not terrible for them, right? It's taken, it's, look how long it took the cable guys to actually do what they're doing. Um, but it got them um, some sweet mid-band spectrum at the time, which obviously has value for them. Yeah, just when you put up that chart the other day on Twitter showing kind of Charter being by far the number one ads, I just sort of think about that like, is that the headline Verizon really wants to see? Is that Charter's leading? I know they are still getting value for it every day through the MVNO, but it just it seems awkward that they enabled this. I think so. From their standpoint, their defense would be: we got fifty-seven percent margins, and we're, we're still growing revenue, and we're not having to really cut price yet. So we're not there yet. The issue, though, is. Look, the cable guys, frankly, had an inflection point or have been having an inflection point in the last couple of quarters where they're gaining traction. If you have Dish entering the market and T-Mobile expecting to get their revenue growth up to mid-single digits, something's got to give, right? The market is growth is not going to accelerate. You're not getting someone to pay a premium for 5G service. So if all of a sudden Comcast net ads invert negative, that's a whole different story. Right now, Right. It's like the red flags are up, like, but we'll see, you know, how it progresses from here. Okay, so let's go to the other big story that sort of came out over the weekend was that not only is Microsoft looking to buy TikTok, but so is Twitter. And Twitter would be interesting. You know, there's basically there's a tweet from Steve Harmon Herman saying preliminary talks held between Twitter, Twitter and TikTok about a combination. And what what makes it so interesting is that. Twitter is the company that shut down Vine. I remember, you know, Brandon, yeah. I remember Jack, I remember Jack telling us uh, at dinner years ago at Wayfair Tavern that uh, that Vine would ultimately be bigger than Twitter because it was such an incredibly creative uh, platform for content creation. And obviously, Twitter, given their troubles years ago, had to make a choice between focusing on Twitter and focusing on building out Vine and they shut down Vine. Uh, which obviously in hindsight looks crazy when you see what's going on with TikTok. Maybe so, maybe not, Rich. Just about t- the TikTok and Vine comparison, 
yes, they're similar format to start with, but there's a lot more secret sauce in TikTok that makes Meaning the algorithm what it is. Yeah, just blandly, let's just say the algorithm that is very much responsible for and tools that are very much responsible for its success. And it's not clear that Twitter would have had the same execution that TikTok has on uh, uh, on the algorithm recommendation engine, so on and so forth. So a lot of people are like, oh, look, they screwed up giving up Vine. Maybe they didn't because maybe they weren't going to be able to execute and build what TikTok built. That's not non sequitur, but you could also say the same thing about Instagram. Like when everyone's like, you know, oh, totally crushing it's a, the DOJ on, on, um, it, it's a great point. I don't think Instagram would have been exactly what you said, Walt, what it is without Facebook. Yeah. I mean, certainly not well, from an advertise building the advertising. Um, they never would have done stories. We know that. They definitely would not have done no, that. They wouldn't have done, their whole but, next- even, but even before stories, the cross promotion from Facebook, and at the time, maybe they didn't have like two point whatever billion users, but they had 1.6 or 7 billion users that they moved over. And being able to, if Instagram being able to leverage the infrastructure that was in Facebook was such a big deal. Well, and the, the, one of the things that just made me think about this again, you know, several days after that story hit and it sort of didn't go anywhere. There hasn't been any more noise about it. But then I heard two of the biggest TikTok stars in the world who we've talked about in this podcast before, the D'Amelio sisters, uh, for uh, for Dixie's birthday, they recorded a little five minute video for the site Famous Birthdays. And I'm just going to play the 15 second clip. What two social media apps are your favorite besides TikTok? I love Instagram and Twitter. I love Instagram because I like posting pictures and Twitter because I really love interacting with my fans on there. Cool. And I don't think anyone was probably expecting her to say Twitter. I think Instagram's probably no shock, but my guess is most people were thinking she would say Snapchat. And the fact that she talks about interacting with her fans just sort of plays to why a Twitter TikTok combination could be so interesting strategically, certainly more interesting in my mind than a Microsoft TikTok combination. Agree more interesting. I mean, there's a couple of things, you know, Twitter still has plenty of issues that they need to work out on their own core product. Again, uh, we don't know what backend TikTok would be coming with uh, algorithmically and, or how many executives would stay and all of that stuff. Exactly. There's yeah, lots I mean, so, of unknowns. So there's still so many questions. And then another big question is, what's the valuation of TikTok? Because we've seen it all over the place, 10 billion, 15 billion, all the way up to 50 billion. If it's a $50 billion acquisition with all the fresh equity that would have to come into that, I don't know. Uh, like, well, and no, no cash flow to leverage. Private there's, equity, no, there's, no, there's no cash flow. And there's no cash flow to leverage, right? So right, what none. private equity is going to bring that much cash to the table? At least with Microsoft, I mean, it's literally endless amounts of cash and market cap there. So thanks for getting that extra literally in there. That was great. Literally, ask one cynical question: Is do we have any idea if it's possible that that was native advertising that someone maybe paid for those answers? (laughs) Um, 
you know, I know the owner of that site. I, I don't think he paid for those answers. I'd be very shocked site, if he did. The site did not. We don't. Know, we don't pay yeah, for exactly. It, but... That's just the platform. Right? That's true. Yeah. I don't know. Because I don't know. I don't like know. If, Rich, I did, if, if Rich I did, does love that company, Famous Birthdays. No, I'm saying like if I had a sponsored tweet, that's one thing. But if I'm just tweeting a bunch of stuff and I have a video on my Twitter and I say like, hey, I love. Uh, that's true. That's I love true. Mac Weldon's. Anyone want to sell me some, send me some Mac Weldon's be my guest, by the way, they've you, not paid us anything. But <laughs> if I said that there's nothing on, on, in our, in our video cast or our I prefer me undies. I'm a big me undies guy. Do you know what I realized as Walt said that? What? I think we have a future in, in sponsored ads in host red advertising. Oh, I would love to do a host red ad on this podcast. So any, awesome. anyone, anyone who's listening to this, who <laughs> wants us to promote your product for a very exorbitant fee, please get in touch and we will be happy to your choice. I won't be offended if it's not me. Uh, read your host red ad. I mean, first of all, Jack did follow Charlie a week ago, right? Yes, he did. He actually did, which was sort of amazing. Okay. Okay, let's go on. Uber, uh, Walt. What's going on? Um, AB5, which is this um, law that was in California, basically determining whether someone's a part-time employee or full-time. So it's obviously advanced to the next level. And this is not just Uber, it's Lyft as well. Um, so they're basically saying we're taking our toys and going home and they're going to cut the service off. So look, California is a pretty big market. Um, let's re- be clear. Like this is obviously an industry under immense strain right now. You know, not rides are down, whatever, 70%. They've been recovering month to month. Um, But the other issue here is like other states can certainly replicate what California is doing. So if they're at at a point with California where you can't encourage voters to support them, you know, this could be replicated state after state in terms of um, laws that would, um, would negatively impact Uber. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. But obviously not a positive step. And from the standpoint of it, you know, it, it affects whether they're doing food delivery. I mean, there'll be no Uber, whether they're doing food delivery or passenger pickup. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That the employee is the employee, regardless of yep. what they're carrying. Right. Or the lack of employees, as is the case may be. <laughs> Disney World, um, probably not a shocker after. How to get it in, Rich. Well, <laughs> I make you know, that joke every week. Look, Bob Chapik was on the last Disney earnings call, the new CEO of Disney basically mentioned that ever since Corona started kind of picking back up throughout the U.S., that their excitement, because they they had made a comment uh, a few months ago that there was incredible demand for when the parks opened up for when they closed. Like basically, as soon as they opened up, they thought there'd be robust demand. And of course, when they did open up, there has not been robust demand. He basically says it's because Corona's picked back up. No surprise that people don't want to fly and go to Disney World right now. But as part of that, Disney's actually cutting back hours. I think two hours at Epcot, every other park cutting back an hour. Uh, This is already on top of the fact that a lot of the things, fireworks, parades, there's already a meaningfully reduced experience because of uh, coronavirus. And so you start just start wondering, like, as 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 all of this is playing out, like, do they keep all the parks open? What do they have to do? I mean, I think there's been a lot of speculation about big layoffs coming for the theme park division. It really just shows how this is going to be a very difficult next 12 months for theme parks 
and you know, especially for 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 Disney's theme parks in Florida, uh, which is really their their profitability base. And we haven't even talked about it, but the parks in Hong Kong still been closed after it reopened. It's been closed for you know, I think now well over a month since it had to reclose with no end in sight to reopening up. And it just speaks to the troubles of this business right now. I don't think it's getting any better anytime soon. I just have one question. Yeah. Did you? Did you keep saying dome manned because you were looking at the Epcot dome up on that slide? That's exactly uh, what was happening. <laughs> you guys are too much. Uh, let's talk about unicorns. Dome manned. How about unicorns, Walt? <laughs> unicorns flying over the Valley of Corona. You know, Masa um, does a call after the company reports earnings and... You know, twice on the call, he talked about going to protective mode. And we've seen evidence of that, right? They dumped um, nearly all of their T-Mobile stake, you know, internally. Where, you know, you're seeing them like they want to sell ARM. They're, they're trying to figure out what to do with this phone refer business. They're selling stuff all over the place. That's known as protective mode. So you have a company that was like <clears throat> aggressively buying as everything was, was moving up aggressively in the private market valuations. They were probably driving it. Then they were dumping it. And now... Now they're what? What are they buying? Which is what the tweet is up on the screen. Allegedly, with this new fund, is Fang stocks. So, what is the <laughs> what's at the fifty-two week high and driving the market higher? Fang stocks. So, what we're basically being told is the guy who was driving up private market valuations. Maybe they're not first of all. He doesn't have a hundred billion, so three billion. Sorry, not a lot of money uh, in the grand scheme of things. But now you're the guy buying tesla at or whatever the number is or you know or whatever the fang stocks are that they're buying it just it's it's um incredible i guess is the word i'll use i could i thought of other words to use but rich, let's just rich say just, wait, wait, wait. Rich, just, rich you didn't smile that whole time until walt said tesla is this because you did walt did you know rich just bought a tesla nice which well, one uh, model think, x model x oh, i mean i put a hundred dollar deposit down so it's not much nice. when you put a hundred dollars down but I think you were what, supposed to buy me and Walt Tesla's. I don't know. What about the truck? I want to get the truck. <laughs> the truck. When's the truck coming out? Well, Masa did put another billion dollars into WeWork, though, yesterday. At least reports are saying. Okay. Um, we'll see how so, that goes. <laughs> are we staying in our WeWork? I guess we have to make that. We have to figure that out. Uh, um, I don't think there's much demand for... For yes. WeWork space right now, we should be able to get. Not the last time I was in that office. Like. <laughs> okay, let's just go to our last slide. Let's which put it is... this way: it was very easily to social distance at the WeWork <laughs> office in Midtown. Okay, well, no, no, staying on the social distancing topic because it's a perfect it, way to end the podcast. It looks like there's not much demand for movies. Okay, so <laughs> so SpongeBob, SpongeBob, which is going straight to the new CBS All Access, it's supposedly going to be recalled or rebranded paramount plus early next year and spongebob they're holding the movie in the u.s for the relaunch of that service early next year but in certain markets like canada the movie's actually out in theaters and they released it today and so this morning i went on just to see whether any families because kids are home from school parents don't know what to do with their kids and so i just went on to see like what was happening? And so I think I picked the two o'clock show for SpongeBob. This is at one of the Cineplex theaters in Canada. And it was amazing, Brandon. Zero what, what out of 50 seats. What city in Canada seats. is this? Uh, it like was... How, when one goes to look at this, to look this up, how do you decide even what city you want to start with? Well, you I just want, picked whatever was in the Montreal, first two. Toronto, <laughs> Ottawa, Winnipeg. 
Where, where are the NHL? You know what I should have sent you for this week's podcast is is that picture from that the that AMC on 84th and Broadway. If over all the trash and boarded up windows, there was an <laughs> AMC with still their March billboards up for the whatever movies that that were out on March. What a depressing yeah. uh, sight th- that was. This is in British Columbia, Brandon, uh, oh. just outside of Vancouver. It's a suburb okay. of Vancouver, okay. uh, which like has Richmond essentially or something. Well, this is, uh, I don't you know. know what's it's, wacky is the seating chart. Geography. The seating chart looks like one of those high-end, like, IPEX movie theaters. Like, you've got, like, those two love seats. But basically, they're just showing all the blacked-out, crappy it, it, seats it that looks like, exist there, right? It looks like business uh, class seating chart. Right. And it's not clear how far you're <laughs> away from. Is there a row in between each of them? They should show all the seats so you can get a sense of what you're, how far you're sitting away from someone. I looked at every single theater I could find, and I, they all I, had similar seating maps. They all had like we're twos. sure that's six feet though. <laughs> Hold on, when is this movie for? This was for this afternoon. Fifty oh, seats available, zero occupied for those who are listening to the podcast. So they and there was a lot of that. Like I, I clicked on a lot, and well, you, you should know, look pe- in Texas because apparently Texas is going through a heat wave. People like to go to movie theaters during a really hot weather. Because well, they, then they pay for the air conditioning's paid for, right? Exactly. Well, so maybe well, I mean, maybe ten, someone bought a seat for SpongeBob in Texas. Well, it's not coming out in Texas. It's only right now. It's only Canada, so I can't oh, look at other oh. markets. Why is that, so, Rich? Because movie theaters are still essentially they're just starting to reopen up this weekend. Uh, I think you're going to see Cinemark with some old movies playing in the U.S. starting this weekend. Uh, AMC I think starts next weekend, and then the big test will be Labor Day when Tenant. You know, even though New York, L.A., San Francisco, even Chicago are all closed, it looks like Warner Brothers is coming out with tenant in a handful of cities come Labor Day. And Rich has promised to travel to a location that's screening tenant and yes. and go to the, and, and wear my mask and, and go to the show. shove popcorn in my face uh, for the so, whole show. That's so in in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a podcast report from Rich. on what. Why don't we do the podcast live like. from a movie theater? <laughs> I guess we'd have to have masks on. That wouldn't work. I don't know. With Canada, these giant mics that you're making us use now, I don't, I don't know if that would be possible. Talking about Canada, we haven't really talked about the NHL, which has had a very successful um, yeah, How about bubble. those Islanders? Wait, do, Walt, do you watch hockey normally? I don't, but I think it, it actually shows um, very well. I mean, I'm star for sports. As a matter of fact, baseball, when it started up, not to go back, but like, I, I honestly can't get through an inning of baseball. It's such a boring sport. Sorry. It just is. But the fans not there makes it even worse. Hockey, like, you really can't, the way they've layered in, NBC has layered in the, um, the sound and just the sound of the game itself. Um, well, the it's game very, is a loud game as well. Like it's just the moving yeah. of the pocket. I mean, it's a, it's a well, louder skating. So they're, in two, they're in two cities. Yeah. And, and they've been great. Crashing games. The there's board. two, there's two cities yeah. in Canada where, so it's just, obviously fascinating that Toronto is hosting all these games. Everything's going exceedingly well, but they can't take the blue Jays. In well, that's because they're traveling, right? Because I understand. No right. So there's a way to do it. And there's obviously yeah. a way that's not being that effective. Although isn't uh, Florida like in first place now, Brandon, I, even though they they're, they've lost like half their players to COVID. Well, we're, we're into the playoffs now. Oh, okay. The Panthers, Knocked out the Rangers. No, I was talking. I was back to baseball again. Oh, oh, the the 
Yeah, I could be wrong about that. The Florida, so you know why the Marlins are so Marlins. used to not playing in front of fans, so they're probably yeah. perce- they're, they're, they're able to perform much better. The other the other that, teams that's an event. don't know what it's like not to play in front of an empty stadium. Walt, as someone who's been watching a lot of hockey, yes, have you seen many fights? Um, yeah, there's they, there were some there were some fights. Some guy got face washed the other night. So that's good. But you know, in playoffs in general, it's it's probably more. No, than fights are generally yeah. down in in playoffs and. So. Uh, Let's yeah. hope the NFL can figure it out. Yeah. Well, I, we'll I use mean, some real football. I hope so. Well, we've got probably, what, we got four weeks, right? I mean, it's, we're, we're the 14th, I'm looking, so. I'm looking forward to um, another race for the number one pick for the Giants. Hopefully. <laughs> um, <laughs> Isn't hopefully, that what the Pats are trying to do they this can year? Do what, I know. It looks like, it looks like they're all in cahoots on that, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I want to watch the new HBO if Max. the Giants are going to um, suck. Please go like one and fifteen, and don't go four and twelve. That's my only. <laughs> Walt, you were going to say about uh, HBO? Yeah, there's there's the um, what is it? Hard knocks that they have. Just I haven't got a chance to look at it, but I do listen to a lot of Eagles radio, and they were interviewing Jason Kelsey and a couple of the other players, and they seem to be very comfortable with the protocols that, that exist. I mean, one of the funny things that J- not funny, but it's kind of sad, I guess, that Jason Kelsey says, like, look, I'm an offensive lineman, you know, I. I'm already have decided that I'm going to have longer term health implications in my life. Right. So this is just another one of those decisions that, that I'm making, but they've been, the players have been at least the ones on the Eagles have been positive, but I definitely want to watch over this weekend. It's on the to-do list on HBO max is to watch um, hard knocks. We've been, we, we've been told this episode of Hard Knocks is awesome for understanding the how the NFL comes back and why we should be comfortable with the NFL coming back. So it's something that investors and industry people should definitely be checking out too. Right. And also it'll be interesting to see how things evolve with fans in the, in the stadium as well. Right. I mean, I think there's, there wasn't there one oh, hockey t- game where, where there was a soccer, an MLS soccer game where they allowed stands in the stadium, in the stadium. Right. So they're oh, starting Jerry, well, Jones. Jerry, Jerry Jones. Yeah. Got it. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Then again, the the Astros, see what I did there, um, mm-hmm. were, were supposed to have fans. Remember, their owner said they were going to have fans in another Texas city, and they never had them for baseball. So, yeah, that's the you one. Can say down, lots of things. That's, that's one of the big downsides from Corona. That, that would. The reason you get me watching baseball is to oh, just to, yeah, to all the, boo all at my the television Astros, at the uh, Astros. <laughs> all the Astros road games. That would have been so much fun. Yeah. Ho- just to hopefully, watch the people heckling um, them. No one forgets that when, when we come back. Season and, out. And oh, that's episode four. Uh, that's our episode. No, that's huh? not episode 14. That's episode, episode 17. 17. It, it is August 14th. It's just episode 17. Yeah, hopefully there's a lot of demand for this episode. We'll talk to you later. See you next (laughs) week, guys. Bye.